All right, how's everybody feeling tonight? All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Haggai chapter 2. Haggai chapter 2. Thank you. We just want to welcome, I just want to welcome you guys to uh, join prayer meeting. If this is your first time tonight, we're glad you could join us. Uh, we do this every third Saturday of the month. Uh, we've been doing this for the last uh, two and a half years. I think two and a half, maybe three and a half years, three and a half years. And uh, yeah, the Lord has just been really uh, faithfully answering our prayers. And it's just been awesome just seeing uh, the Lord just using the prayers of his saints to accomplish his will on the earth. So we just want to invite you to come out, pray with us. Word of God says, pray for the place where you are. Pray for the city uh, in which you are placed so that it may prosper. Uh, you know, and with its prosperity, you also will prosper. All right, turn to Haggai chapter 2. Haggai chapter 2. And we're going to read verse 6 and 7. I'll be reading in the Hebrew. Man, I've been learning Greek, and it's been very difficult. Okay, good. It's in the singular. That's what I thought. Hamadak. Okay. All right, let's read that in English. Verse 6 and 7. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. I'm going to read that in the NIV for you. I think a lot of people in here have the NIV here tonight. The NIV says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will shake once more, shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and dry land. I will shake all nations and the desired of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. I believe this word is a word for uh, the hour that we are in right now. Uh, we're living Right now, we're, we're hitting an hour where God is shaking many things. And uh, many in the body of Christ might be experiencing this right now, but there are different ways in which God is shaking us. Um, even the Korean Peninsula, if you really, you know, we, we kind of numbed ourselves to all the drama with North Korea. But if you really think about it, there's a shaking that's going on in this peninsula right now. Even with the failed uh, missile launch. You know, a lot of paranoid Western journalists are saying that uh, North Korea is going to attempt even a nuclear uh, missile test next. 
just out of their pride being hurt, uh, they're going to uh, launch out another ballistic missile, but set with a nuclear warhead on it. Um, uh, there's a shaking going on because the U.S. promised them certain aid for the nuclear proliferation that they agreed to. But since they launched out this rocket, the U.S. has said, no, we're not going to send any food aid. Uh, you guys aren't keeping your part of the deal. Uh, there's a shaking going on in this nation. And I really uh, actually, let me not get into that right now. Uh, there's also other shaking going on right now around the whole world, like literally. I have this app um, from, I think it's Fox News or something. And I turn off the notifications. But I don't know why it doesn't work. It just keeps, it keeps sending me all these notifications, right? What was weird was in the last three weeks, in the month of April, I kept getting Fox News alerts saying that there was a major earthquake in this part of the world and that part of the world and this part of the world and that part of the world. And one major one you guys may have heard about was in Indonesia, in Sumatra, where in 2004... 2004, hundreds of thousands of people perished in an instant. Uh, one of the girls that died out of those 100,000 was one of my NYU classmates. Uh, she was uh, working for Morgan Stanley, was out in Phuket for a vacation, uh, was just lounging on a beach chair, lounging on a pool, poolside, or whatever she was doing, and the moment the tsunami hit, she's, she was gone. Uh, her family, it took, her, took them weeks to find her body, and they were only able to identify because of her dental records. Um, and so when I heard about this major earthquake in Indonesia again, I thought, oh my, there's gonna be, maybe there's going to be another uh, tsunami. So all the people immediately evacuated to higher ground. And then when they thought everything was relieved, there was another earthquake of similar magnitude. And so they once again, they, they were filled with fear and they went all the way up to higher ground. Uh, and so I thought it was a little unusual. So I did a little research on um, earthquake website and it showed that this uh, website in particular records earthquakes that are 6.5 or higher. You know, anything less than that, they don't really consider as a major earthquake. And in the month of January, there were four earthquakes uh, uh, that were 6.5 or higher in the world. In February, there were three earthquakes that were 6.5 or higher. In March, it doubled to six. And in the month of April... We are about midway through it, uh, or two-thirds of the way through it. Uh, in the month of April, there were already eight earthquakes, 6.5 or higher. I just listed real quick, right? Uh, April 11th, Sumatra, 8.6. Uh, same day, 8.2, Sumatra. Uh, Mexico, on the same day, 6.5. Uh, the next day, California experienced earthquakes, 6.9. Uh, I didn't really hear about California's freaking out, so I guess it wasn't a big deal. Uh, April 14th, 6.5, uh, Vanuatu. Uh, April 17th, Chile experienced a 6.7 earthquake. April 17th, the same day, Papua New Guinea experienced a 6.8 earthquake. And then on April 21st, Indonesia got hit a third time with a 6.6 earthquake. And so, I don't know how unusual that is for a given month, but the month isn't even done yet. And so, you know, I guess Fox News was on to something. They were, they were accurately reporting the news to me. I thought they were just like getting, they were sending me, I'm like, I don't want to know about all these earthquakes. 
you know, they're not major, you know, but uh, anything over 6.5 is a fairly major earthquake. Um, but from what I've heard, there are no major dam damages like we saw last year in Pakistan. And, you know, China's been hit with some crazy earthquakes in recent decade. Um, so anyway, there, I mean, there's a shaking going on in, the, in, the, in this month of April, really. And there might be some shaking going on in your workplace. Maybe there's some drama happening. And y'all got some payroll drama, some visa drama, some boss drama. You know, every Hagwon teacher in here is like, I got boss drama every day. <laughs> oh, but I, there's a lot of people I believe are, are experiencing a shaking at this hour in the month of April. Um, I know that our church is right now going through a major shaking. And, um, you know, you, you can't tell when you see our church folks because they're all, you know, joyous and happy and loving on Jesus. You know what I mean? But, but man, if, if it wasn't for our church's prayer movement, you know, people will be panicking. You know, people, people will be in tears for different reasons. Um, our church right now is going through some major shaking. Uh, our mother church... Uh, has a group of individuals that have an agenda and a, uh, and a plan to destroy our mother church. So some of these guys used to work for our mother church, and uh, they are on a mission to destroy our mother church. And so they've been uh, taking legal matters. They took, they took it to the press and printed all this bad press about the church, about our pastor. Uh, they may have printed bad press about New Philly, and I just don't know about it, because I'm not, I don't read Korean blogs particularly, um, but they've been definitely attacking our mother church, and what's been happening is, uh, just to sum it up, um, uh, the denomination, which is uh, Hapdong, Hapdong, the most conservative Presbyterian denomination in Korea, that's, by the way, New Philly is under the most conservative Presbyterian denomination <laughs> in Korea. It's like way more conservative than PCA. Anyway, um, yeah, that nomination has uh, some of these guys, the conspiring group has taken legal action against Jair Songdo. Uh, and so the, the nomination got involved. And the nomination has legally forced our senior pastor of 41 years, they forced him to retire this past week. So that was a sudden change. Um, and then the succeeding pastor, whom Pastor Huang chose, which happens to be his son-in-law, okay? And which something I think a lot of Korean Christians think is full of corruption and they don't like it. And uh, so they're trying to use that and say, they're trying to block his ordination so that he can't become the new head pastor. Anyway, so man, our church is going through a lot of drama. And we, you know, I sit through these pastor's meetings where I don't understand 80% of the things that are shared. You know, Pastor Myung sits through with me and she, she translates some of it. Um, and I look out, man, I'm just, I just look at the other Korean pastors. They can't trust each other right now. Because there's, there's like a mole. There is a mole. There is a spy within the pastoral team. Because there's all this inside information that's going out into this conspiring group. So I had my suspicions about who it was. Because <laughs> one time, one time, you know, Pastor Huang, he, he unloads on people sometimes. But if you ever work for a Korean church, this is normal. All right, not normal to Westerners, but for Koreans, you know, in a Confucian culture, you get yelled at, 
and you just say ne, and you just you just receive it, you know. And one time he unloaded on this one pastor, and he just looked like he had that implosive kind of anger, where he got real quiet. And I was like, oh snap, he's. I think he's gonna bring a gun next week or something. He just looked like he was gonna kill somebody. So I was like, I bet it's him. I bet it's him. Uh, No one has really pointed the finger, but a couple of the pastors uh, shared who they think it is, and it ended up not being that dude. So, so anyway, innocent until proven guilty is a, is a good approach to take. Um, so, I mean, our, our church New Philly is going through a lot of shaking because we, we have no idea what this is going to mean for our English ministry. Uh, we're, we're not sure uh, the temporary president and, and past, pastor is going to be... Uh, coming in this week, uh, we don't know what the denomination wants to do. You know, obviously they're going to audit all the financial numbers for Charity Songdo, so I think they're getting all that ready, and they may try to audit our numbers. But praise the Lord that your past, uh, New Philly's pastor went to a business school, all right. And I believe in financial transparency, so a lot of our financial expenses and income is all it's all public information. And so we're just going back, making sure all those things are accurate right now. But, you know, we got nothing to hide. The truth has no fear of examination, right? So I got nothing to hide. But, you know, I don't know. They might look at it and still make something up. And I don't even know what they're saying to me. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, right? But for all the other churches, you know, that are represented here, you know, whether you're from Jubilee, Third Wave, or... Uh, or Onuri, or, or, or New Harvest, wherever you're from, you know, or, or uh, I don't know, Pastor Jimmy's here tonight. Uh, keep us in prayer. Keep us in prayer because uh, we're going through some shaking right now. So our church, we've called a one-week-long, 24-7 prayer uh, watch next week. So from Sunday night, midnight, to Friday night, midnight, our leadership is going to be in the house of prayer over at Kingdom First per tab. We're going to be in there every single day for 24-7 for five days straight. And then we believe not only is it like, it's not in fear, like, oh, what's going to happen? Lord, Lord, mercy on us. No, it's more out of that we believe that this shaking is simply setting up our church to, to step into new levels. And so, you know, it's kind of like the theme of what I want to talk about here tonight. Um, well, yeah, our church is going through some shaking. Let me ask you a question. Maybe you have, you're going through some shaking in your family. I know that last year when we were shepherding some of our church leaders through their marriages, when they told their parents they wanted to get married and the parents opposed it, oh, they went through some shaking. Some of our couples, man, they went, some of our leaders, pastors, our key pastors, when they decided to marry each other, they went through some major shaking. And here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10. If you want to turn there with me, Matthew chapter 10. Because, you know, I still have young people. They start coming out to New Philly. And then they start really living for the Lord. They stop getting drunk. They stop cigarettes. They stop whatever, right? And then the parents see them doing dishes and stuff like that. And they get initially very happy. Oh, wow, my son and my daughter is really being transformed by the love of God. 
But when their son and daughter starts to go on mission trips, go to a, a prayer meeting on Saturday night, go to a prayer meeting on Friday night, go to a prayer meeting on Sunday morning. And we have a lot of prayer meetings. Uh, they start going, wait, 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 what is with all this? Just go to service and come back home. You know, well, I, I feel like the Lord's calling me to go on missions. And then they, they start getting involved and saying no. And then uh, our church, we teach that it's important to have spiritual purity. Meaning that you cannot dabble with the occult and dabble uh, and, and still worship the Lord with clean hands and a pure uh, clean hands and a pure heart. So we teach against things that we feel like are uh, have occultic roots. So one example would be we tell our people, we tell our leaders, you cannot go see a psychic. Why? Because psychics have real powers, and it doesn't come from God. All right, and the Bible forbids it. It says you shall not seek out a medium, fortune teller, necromancer. You shall not practice divination. All these like old words in the Old Testament, right? This simply means fortune telling. And when you see a psychic, you're sitting in that way. And God forbids it very specifically. He says, these are an abomination to me. You are not to go and practice these things or go seek them out. So we teach our people, hey, you're not supposed to do that. But then we go further and we identify shamanistic elements that have gotten into the Korean church, and we call it out. And we don't go into Korean families and say, this is evil, this is sin, well, you guys need to stop it. But at least for the people that come out to our church, we tell them, hey, we want you to be spiritually pure. We want you to be completely set free. So guess what? All right, We don't want you to go and get this Chinese uh, Eastern medicine and you know how a lot of Eastern medicine gets dispensed, right? When I was a kid, I was sick. And I, I used to vomit. In sixth grade, I was vomiting for like three months straight. Finally, my parents took me to all these medical doctors. They couldn't do anything. So they took me to a Chinese doctor down in Chinatown in Philly. And, and, the, and, the, and the man, old man, didn't speak a lick of English. Didn't speak any Korean. And he put his two fingers on my pulse. And he took my pulse. Mm. Mm. And then he spoke Chinese. <laughs> and I was like, well, what's he saying? And then, and then his son was like, uh, he said you have problem in stomach. I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> but we didn't tell him nothing. He said, he said you've been throwing up. I was like, yeah, that's really good. He said you cannot eat egg anymore. Oh, that's bad. No egg, no milk, no, and it gives me like no kimchi. It gives me this list of things I can't eat. And then he tells me what I can eat. You can eat this thousand dollar worth of tree bark. It tastes like tree bark. It looks like tree bark. It smells like tree bark. You have to pay a thousand dollars for it and you're to take it for the next month. Right? And my, my mom was like, she, she took out her checkbook and she started writing that check right away. Because she was so amazed that he was able to do this and diagnose me. I didn't know what he did. So I just thought he took the, the rhythm of my pulse. And somehow the rhythm of my pulse told him that I have stomach problems. Well, he did my, grand, he did my uh, aunt next and found out she had a back problem. Did my mom, she has a back problem. Now, he was accurate on all of them. Next thing you walked out, we were, we were like, like $1,500 broke. 
like, what happened? You know, anyway, I took all that medicine. None of that worked. I got like a little bit better. I wanted to throw up then after I took that hanyak stuff. Before, you know, anyway, man. Later on, as I studied um, healing, healing deliverance ministry, you know, I found out that this practice is done by witchcraft doctors all over the world. So you go to a voodoo doctor, they'll do this. You go to a doctor in Africa, they do the same thing. All right? Mmm. Mmm. Stomach problem. No eggs. And, and then they give you whatever they give you in that culture. Right? And uh, when it comes down to the, the way they get that information is, we believe here in New Philly, we believe that it's through spiritual sources. Right? The spiritual, these, these certain spirits have information about you, your, you and your life and your physical symptoms. And they're communicating and, they're, and that guy's channeling those spirits. Here's the thing. It's not God's spirit. And it's not nice, angelic spirits. Okay? Uh, these are all spirits that God has forbidden man from communicating with. And so we believe it's demonic spirits. Anyway, so, you know, those teachings go out. And then um, our, our church members or church leaders will take a stand and say, and then, and then you know, family members will say, you're going to the Hanyak doctor today. You're going to the Hanisat today. And they say, no, uh, Nufili says I shouldn't. And so I'm not going to go. I feel like I have conviction from the Lord. I'm not going to go. Then parents get a little crazy. Korean parents will get crazy on you. Especially if they are Christian Korean parents. They are fully convinced that acupuncture, hanyak, all this stuff is just a gift from God and has no spiritual element to it whatsoever except some key theory that looks spiritual, but it really isn't. And so, you know, things get real crazy. And then our church, church members, man, they, they go through a major shaking because, I mean, parents will, you know, lock them up in their room, you know, threaten to disown them, take away their money card I don't know take away your passport and man Korean parents man yeah a little crazy and so you know some of our church some of my church members will come up to me and say you know Pastor Christian you know I'm so confused if if, I, if I'm doing God's will and I'm living under His covering now and, and I'm really obeying His word, why is all this bad stuff happening to me? And I was like, child, don't you read the Bible? <laughs> Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, right? Jesus, Jesus, by the way, is all about peace, right? He says, blessed are the peacemakers. We're peacemakers, right? Uh, he says, let your peace remain with them. You know, yeah, Christians, we're all about peace. But here's one interesting thing he said about peace. He said, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me, it's not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. For whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. In another place, Jesus said, whoever does not hate his mother or father 
cannot be my disciple. Right? What is Jesus trying to say there? He's not saying, I want you to go out and hate your mother and father. I want you to do everything you can to. No, obviously the word of God says, honor your mother and father so that it may go well with you. There's life when you honor your mother and father. Uh, what Jesus is saying is, in comparison to your love for me, your love for your parents should seem like hatred. It is such a, it's, you know, there's first place and there's second place. Well, when it comes to God's love, here's God's love first place. And Jesus is like second place is way down here. Second place is so lower than first place that it may even seem like hatred. And at times you may even have to make a stand where you will feel, where your parents may even accuse you of you hating them, dishonoring them, when you really, that's not what you're doing. You know, and, and so, you know, I don't know if you've gone through some shaking in your family, but sometimes you go through shaking in your family, not because you're doing something wrong. It's because you're walking right with the Lord. It's because you're starting to do His will, and Satan's threatened by what you can do for the kingdom, and he will try to get to you. You know, but we have to understand that our fight is not against flesh and blood. Amen? Our fight is not against our uncle, our cousins, our mother, or father, or even against the Hanyak doctor, or, or, or some mudang, or whatever, right? Our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against different demonic forces that are at work. And if we will war appropriately, right? Instead of arguing our point and trying to convince our mother and father and even use our own manipulation techniques to get them and win their heart, we have to take it first in the realm of prayer and target those demonic spirits that use discern and identify as working through your parents. Bind them up, war against them for a season, and when the time is right, then you speak to them and your word will have much more power to shift them out of that deception. God's bringing a shaking to the body of Christ. And I want to talk tonight about the purpose of this shaking. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26 to 28. We'll talk about the purpose of why God brings shaking into our lives. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26 to 28. All right, I'm going to read it here in the ESV. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. We love that last line, right? God is a consuming fire. Okay, well, the context is from this passage here about shaking. Uh, why, why does God bring shaking into our lives, into our families, into our workplace, 
into our nation? Why does God do these things? I'm talking about a couple purposes that are mentioned here in Hebrews 12. First is to remove man-made things. Okay? If you look here in verse 20, 27, it says, Yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made. In the NIV, it says created things. In the Greek, it's pepoiemenon, which is the perfect passive participle of poieo, which means to make. In other words, what the Bible is saying here is God brings the shaking to expose and remove created things. And we're not talking about God created things. We're talking about man-made or demonic-made created things. What are these created things? It could be man-made religions, man-made beliefs, idolatry, self-made plans, self-deluded prophecy. You know, you know, right after I graduated from college, I could have sworn during my quiet time that God told me two things. It was real clear. I was having this beautiful I was having this quiet time by this little lake. It wasn't really a lake. It was like a man-made... Oh, whoa. Oh, whoa, yeah. Anyway, it was a man-made little body of water. It wasn't that pretty, but... It was beautiful for West New York, New Jersey. All right, so I was there. I had my quiet time. I could have sworn the Lord gave me real clear. I was practicing, like, prayer listening, right? And uh, two things. The Lord said, you need to go to the Air Force... And second was, you are to marry this, uh, this college student that I, was, uh, I knew, who was about to graduate from Columbia University. Okay? And so I, I thought it was so clear. I, was, I thought it was so clear, right? And then, um, and then I went and applied for the Air Force. And then God started shaking things up. The first sign was the guy at the, uh, the security check. He saw my Bible. He took it out. He was like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> this black dude, right? It's in, it's in Brooklyn. And, uh, and I was like, oh, you're a Christian? He's like, yeah, yeah. And he looks at me. He goes, you know, four years is a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Do I know you? <laughs> so weird, right? And then that day, I was supposed to take a comprehensive exam, and my recruiter, he's the one who set up the rendezvous point, right? He, then, he went to the wrong area of the meeting point, and I, I waited for like two hours and ended up just going home. Next time I go, I, I have to do my health exam. And while I'm waiting for my health exam, I meet another gentleman who is an intervarsity staff, which is a college ministry staff. And he felt clearly the call of God to go from inner varsity staff to become an Air Force pilot. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about, man. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. And he's like, well, do you have the credentials to be an Air Force pilot? I was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, what are the credentials? He's like, well, you got to be a certain height. You got to have certain arm lengths. There's a certain range because, you know, they don't customize the cockpit for everybody. So you either fit or you can't reach the pedal. You know, 
So I was like, yeah, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, don't worry. I got it. And he looked at me. He was like, mm, yeah, you, you should check that later. You know? <laughs> How's your eyesight? I was like, man, my eyesight's good. I said, well, do you have contacts on? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I don't wear contacts. I got better than 20-20 vision. I got like 20-something. I don't know what he said. 40-20 or something. like. It's better than 20. You can have 20, better than 20-20 vision, by the way. 20-20 vision just means that you can only see 20 meters or whatever. 20 whatever, right? Yeah, better than that. And I'm like, yeah, good for you, all right? Good for you. And, uh, and I have my eye exam. And I find out that my right eye lacks depth perception. So all my childhood, I play, I play basketball and football and baseball. And I always wonder why I couldn't hit that ball. Or why I would drop random balls. And it all made sense when I took that test. And I was like, man, maybe I should not put the lives of my countrymen in danger. So I decided after the eye exam, all right, I'm going to be a, a, na- a navigator, like a co-pilot, whatever. A guy who sits in the back, you know, you know just offers moral support, you know. Uh, Anyway, so I'm, I'm still determined to go to the Air Force. And, and then the doctor sees my radical record and he goes, I noticed you had this uh, infection in fifth grade. You, you vomiting all the stuff? How'd you get the treatment? I said, well, I got this treatment from this like, wonderful doctor in Philadelphia. <laughs> all right. And uh, can, you get, can you produce some medical treatment records? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I think I could do that. He's like, well, I'm going to put a stop on your record until you get it. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. So I go on the internet, try to find Dr. Witzer. And man, you know, this guy just, he didn't have a website. So I, he had moved offices. I had no idea how to get a hold of Dr. Witzer. So anyway, man, and then after that, my recruiter lost my phone number. I'm just like, what's going on? Anyway, God shook me up and he was like, that wasn't me. And you can, you can guess what happened with, you know, the, the prophecy that I thought I was supposed to marry this other girl. You know. the, the clear prophecy God had already given me was, you will meet your wife on the missions field, the Spirit of the Lord says. So, you know, when I took that quiet time prophecy, I was kind of disregarding what I had already heard. You know? Anyway, I, met, I ended up meeting my wife in Korea, which is my missions field. We were in New York. We were even at the same prayer meeting. In, in uh, Empire State Building one, one Friday night. But we didn't meet that day. We met when we got to Korea. Anyway, man. <laughs> the purpose of the shaking is to remove creative things. And this passage is a quote of Haggai 2.6, which, which is what we read earlier. Once more, God will shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. It says that God will shake all nations. And one of the purposes for why God is doing this shaking is to remove man-created religions, to remove trust in Oprah's system of spirituality, uh, remove uh, people's faith in the Moonies, Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, Mormons, whatever man-made or demonic-created, you know, North Korea's Juche ideology. All of that's going to, God's shaking to remove those things. To expose them and remove it. Think for a moment. 
at one point how influential the German, the Nazi German, uh, Nazi political party was in Germany, how they had the whole country under the under this spell. But today, we just have a couple knuckleheads running around with some swastikas on their forehead. But other than that, Nazi political party has zero influence. Right? What, what, what did God do? God shook and then he removed it. Right? I mean, you can think of the greatest empires in the world. After God shakes, they're done. You know? Um, even the Roman Empire. You know, the Roman Empire lasted a quite a long time. I can't tell you a number right now. I believe it was like five or six hundred years. That's a long time. The U.S. has been around, what, like 200-something years. Korea's been around, apparently, for 5,000 years or something like that. I can never get the right number. Um, but man, when God starts to shake and expose, I mean, he removes things. And uh, in, he, uh, in Haggai, it actually says that through all of this shaking, there's an interesting phrase that comes out. The desired of all nations will come. Now, in the ESV, it translated as, uh, I think, treasures, right? What is it? Treasures, right? Now, it's a plural word, treasures. But I just looked it up in the Hebrew. And I was wondering, is it singular or is it plural? Okay? There's a big difference. The desired of all nations. That sounds like a singular thing. The treasures sounds like a plural thing. Well, in the Hebrew, it is a singular word. So traditionally, a lot of people have interpreted that to mean Jesus. That through all of the shaking in the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, shaking of all nations, God says, I'm going to shake all the nations. And through all of the shaking, then the desired of all nations will come and God will fill his house with glory. I want to submit to you tonight that the shaking that we see around in our lives and in the nations is simply a sign that Jesus is about to manifest. Now, I believe Jesus is also a sign that Jesus will return soon. The desired of all nations will come. But I also believe that there's another element in the sense that the desired of all nations will also come through his people. That Jesus will start to manifest through his people before he actually physically returns at the same coming. And uh, so that's one, to remove creative things, to expose demonic strongholds. Second, second, it says here that uh, the removal of things that are shaken, that is things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. The second purpose of the shaking that God brings onto the earth or that God brings into your life is so that the unshakable may remain. You know, there's a lot of things that we hold to in our lives that is shakable. That really, when it comes down to it, it needs to go. If your primary trust is in those things, you know, you know come on, think about all the times when you had a crush and you, was, you swore you are going to marry that person and you were putting your trust more in that person than in God. And God shook things up. And next thing you knew, you found out that person didn't even like you. <laughs> and you are heartbroken. 
They were heartbroken, but you know, there was nothing really going on. God brings shaking so that the unshakable things may remain. And I believe that he does this so that the unshakable things, when they are displayed, they are displayed with greater glory. In Isaiah 60, verse 21, it says, a, he talks about, it's the prophecy is talking about God's people. It says, a shoot that God has planted. It's almost like God is the gardener and his people are trees that he has planted. It says, uh, a shoot that God has planted. And, and it says here that um, in Isaiah 60, verse 21, that he has planted these trees, these shoots, so that we can display his splendor. That's the theme of our uh, church retreat coming up here on May 4th through the 6th. Uh, we have a church retreat. And church retreat, our retreat facility, we went through some shaking. Yeah. We had this wonderful retreat center when we went to last year called Oneness Retreat Center. And then three weeks ago, the retreat center called and said, uh, we had a change in ownership and we we're going to shut down business. Just a few weeks before our retreat. That shaking happened. But you know what? I loved how our leaders and pastors responded. They didn't flinch a bit. You know, uh, they were like, they were like, you know what? This is exactly what's happening to our college ministry. Right now, our college ministry, Emmaus, every single week, they're like nomads. They don't have a, they used to have a, a one room called B101 in one around hall at Yonsei University. Nice room. We used to have that for the last like four or five years straight, every single Tuesday night. And this year, all of a sudden, it's shaking. And the school administration took it away. And they've been trying to keep a positive attitude. And they just feel like uh, new wine needs to be poured into new wine skins. So we need stretchable, moldable, adaptable hearts. And God is training us to receive the new wine. You know, when I heard that, I was like, that's nice. But let me go yell at the school administration. <laughs> Honey. And I was so upset, man. I was about to walk out of my seminary class. Go to Yonsei. Because I'm the one who, 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 who used to be in charge. And so I have a personal relationship with Chaplin there. And I was so upset that he's letting this happen. I was like, man, let's just fight and let's get this over with. <laughs> I feel better if we just fight. But you know, Aaron was, Pastor Aaron was like, no, the Lord's doing something. This is not the chaplain's fault. This is not the administration's fault. This is the Lord's fault. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Lord's doing. Yeah, she said it's the Lord's doing. And so... I was like, all right. And so when the retreat thing happened, we responded the same way. We just felt like God's shaking things so that the unshakable things may remain. But not only so the unshakable things remain, but so that we can display His splendor. You know, God's people, they shine the brightest. Not in times of just prosperity and ease and comfort. They shine the brightest when there's crisis. You know, this is what I learned in my Greek class. You know that the word crisis comes from the Greek word crisis. I think it's crisis. Anyway, I forget the Greek word. Uh, Chris, Chris. Anyway, all right. It's, hey, I've been having to memorize 70 Greek words every single week, all right? You try trying to retain all that. Um, but the word crisis is a Greek word. And in the Greek, it means judgment. So when when... When nations go through crisis, the fundamental belief used to be that it's God's judgment. God's responsible for the earthquake. God's 
responsible for Mount Vesuvius. God's responsible for, you know, whatever. It's a crisis. It's a judgment, right? And when those uh, shakings come, that's when God's people shine the brightest. You know, even in the book of Acts, you know, you have the day of Pentecost, people, people of God get filled. The first Christians get filled with the Holy Spirit. They start, you know, speaking in tongues and start looking drunk, you know. And, and 3,000 people got saved in one day. Praise the Lord. Through Peter's first preaching experience. Praise the Lord. Right? But it wasn't like until the church went through a dark hour where they shined even brighter. It was when the church got persecuted with Saul leading the way. When the church was persecuted and scattered through a Samaria, that's when all the Christians went through Samaria preaching the gospel and with signs and wonders accompanying them and people came to know the Lord. People in Samaria who the woman at the well had talked to. Let's, let's remember, let's put it in context, right? The Samaritan people didn't hear about Jesus for the first time when they heard these uh, Jewish Christians coming through town. They heard about Jesus through that adulterous woman. Right? And so they, I mean, God had already pre-prepared their hearts. But man, it was through those times of shaking that the church was able to really shine. And so uh, Isaiah 60 verse 21, right? It says, a shoot that God has planted for the display of his splendor. Isaiah 61 verse 3. Not only are we little shoots, like little shoots, okay, but when the people of God grow and mature, we're not shoots anymore. We're not little seeds of the kingdom anymore. The Bible says in, in the next chapter in Isaiah 61 verse 3, they will be called oaks of righteousness. And it goes on to say, oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You know, the tree, the oak tree is a common symbol all over the world of strength and endurance. And there are many countries of the world that have chosen this tree as their national tree, including the United States in 2004. The Congress voted and they decided to make the oak tree their national tree. I don't know if that's true. Wikipedia sometimes lies to me. <laughs> and my professors tell me never to cite Wikipedia, but man, you know, I don't have time to research this, okay? Oak tree is a symbol of strength. And what is the Bible giving us? Isaiah 61? He says, God has planted you as oaks of righteousness. That when the shaking comes on the earth, when shaking comes in your family, you may be a symbol of strength and endurance for all those who look upon you. Because you know when the shaking comes, you know, when the economy's shaking, you know, the economy was shaking, right? The year I got married, 2000, 2008, man, my dad came and he was like, there's a bubble, uh, there's a housing bubble crisis that the U.S. economy is about to hit. And I was like, man, uh, dad, you're just reading up and too much stuff. And he's like, no, no, it's true. The mortgage is, is, is in a shambles and there's all this uh, corruption and it's about to burst. It's about to burst. We're about to hit a deep depression or a recession or something. And I didn't believe him. But a month after I got married, it happened. The housing bubble burst. All the real estate prices dropped. Everybody's houses got foreclosed on. Probably your uncles and aunts and cousins. Those who are from America. I don't think it touched Canada. Did it touch Canada? It, uh, it touched Canada too. Oh man, that's crazy. It touched, it touched a few houses that are in Canada. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love my Canadian brothers and sisters. Come on. I always just make a joke, you know. 
Isn't it love? I love Canada. I love Canada. And when the, when the economy started shaking, everybody started getting anxious. Right? And that was the best time actually for the church to stand as oaks of righteousness and just say, do not fear. We have a hope. We have a God that is in control. This world is not just random collisions. It's not a deist. You can't have a deistic view of God, uh, God either. God didn't just make the world and then say, I'm off, I'm hands off. Okay? God is involved. He is sovereignly involved. And he not only predicts what happens, he makes things happen. That's the very definition of God's sovereignty. That's why I embrace the Calvinist view of election. Because you don't have a God that's just responding to people's foreknowledge of what they do with the gospel. We have a God that makes salvation happen. That sounds like the God of the Bible to me. Okay, I'm, I'm not pushing Calvinism. I'm just, I'm just, I just want to mention that. God is raising up and maturing the church to be oaks of righteousness. And I'm telling you, if you have indeed matured in this past three, four years, if you've matured in the past hour, then God's going to bring you through some shaking in this hour. But the shaking is not a cause for panic and anxiety. When the, when the shaking comes, it is time to rejoice. You know why? Because the Bible promises... That now the desired of all nations will come. Jesus is going to manifest through you with great majesty, great splendor, the display. You are there as a planning of the Lord for the display of His splendor. In times of judgment and crisis, in times of shaking, God wants you to display His splendor. The, des- the desired of all nations is going to manifest through his sons and daughters. And so Hebrews 12, he says here, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Everybody say, cannot be shaken. shaken. If you are a Christian, you are receiving a kingdom. You're receiving a form of government that cannot be shaken. The greatest of governments have fallen throughout human history. But there is one government that has been actually increasing in influence. From even the very fall. It's been increasing in influence. And made us apex at the cross. Made us climax at the cross. And the Bible says the government will be on his shoulders. You're getting a kingdom. You're getting a government that cannot be shaken. You know, nuclear warheads, oh, well, amen. Nuclear warheads, man, all God has to do is snap his finger and nuclear warhead, no more. You know, like, and I don't want to give the movie away. That movie that most of us watched last year where, where uh, Tom Cruise is hanging from, all right, all right. And all God has to do is snap his finger and boom, no more nuclear warhead. If Jesus can disarm all the demonic powers and authorities, I think Jesus can disarm a few nuclear warheads. And so, you know, a lot of people will say, man, why are you living in Korea? All that crazy stuff happened over there. You should come back to America. What, and then walk the streets of Philly and get stabbed to death? 
Man, I'll take, I'll take my chances with North Korea's nuclear warheads any day. You know what? That's the truth. I'm telling you the truth right now. Philly is so dangerous. Even when I visit Philly, man, I just keep my car doors always locked. I feel safer here. You know, they, they estimate that there are all these crazy, like, uh, conventional weapon warheads aimed at the city of Seoul. Like thousands just aimed at the city of Seoul. It's all hidden in the mountains of North Korea. At any given moment, Seoul will be uh, ablaze with fire in about an hour and millions of people will die. Alright? And I still like that better than <laughs> some crazy fool with a gun comes up to me, tells me, can I borrow a dollar? Which is in Philadelphia language, I'm robbing you. Okay? If a guy in Philadelphia asks you, to, can I hold a dollar, all right? They're not asking you for a loan. All right. Anyway. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so the Bible says, then let us be thankful and let us lift up worship with reverence and awe because our God is a consuming fire. And that, 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 that call to worship, that description of God's character as a consuming fire should be put into the context of this passage, which is talking about the shaking of God in the nations. I'm telling you right now, man, what we do here at Joint Prayer Meeting is a manifestation of Hebrews chapter 12. You know, even on, you know, for the last three and a half years, right? Three and a half years we've been praying. Man, we had every North Korea, you know, rhetoric threat, Chonan worship sank. The night, like, uh, New Philly had this long prayer meeting on Friday where John Michaels preached on North Korea. Why well, pray for North Korea? And then that same hour he preached, the Chanan worship sank. And then a month later, you know, they started shelling uh, uh, Yongpyeong Island. What was that about? You know, and people on Yongpyeong Island, they thought it was the end of the world. If you see the videos, man, it was pretty crazy. You know, they have like Norebangs and 7-Elevens there too, you know. People just going and eating their kimbap or something. All of a sudden, all this like, you know, bullets and stuff and bombs falling from the sky. They thought it was the end of the world. But even when we saw all of that, what did we do? We continue to meet and we continue to offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Because we believe that although North Korea might have all the, whatever, I don't even know if they have nuclear weapons. They could even have all the nuclear weapons in the world. It don't matter. Because our God is a consuming fire. And uh, I like to think that if Abraham can argue to save Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, to save Sodom based on what? He got down to the lowest number was 10. If, I, if there's 10 righteous people, God, will you, will you spare Sodom? And God said, I'll spare it for the sake of 10 people. Man, I think there's more than 10 people up in here who have a bigger heart for God than Lot did. And are growing and increasing in greater influence than Lot ever had. You know, some analysts say it this way. The reason why the U.S. keeps, what is it, 30,000 troops here? Is that 18,000 or 30,000? I forget the number. The reason why the U.S. keeps that many troops in Korea is not a deterrent. You know that, right? My dad uh, gave me the reality check. If North Korea attacks, those 18,000 U.S. soldiers, they all die. None of them will make it, and none of their efforts will do any good. They will all die. You know that, right? 
Now, they do all these exercises, but it don't really, it don't really mean nothing. Okay, because if a war really broke out, they would all die. Okay, and here's, here's what analysts say. The reason why U.S. keeps that many soldiers there is for the collateral damage from an attack. If that collateral damage touches America, then it gives America the incentive and the right to get involved in the war right away. If they withdraw their troops and South Korea gets attacked, then now they have a political situation where they might be in a conflict whether to get involved or not. But if they keep their soldiers here, and if there ever is an attack and that many soldiers die, oh, you betcha they're going to get involved in that war. Same thing what happened with Pearl Harbor. All right, U.S. tried to have an isolationist policy right after World War I, and they said, we're not going to get involved in this war. All of Europe was getting completely dominated by Nazi Germany. All of Asia was taken over by Japan. I mean, the whole known world, if you look at the um, World War II map, what's going on in the world, they almost took over the entire world. All right? And U.S. said, no, we're still not going to get involved. And what happened? Pearl Harbor. Japan attacked Pearl Harbor. Thousands, maybe even tens of thousands. I don't know how many people died there. But thousands definitely died. And the U.S. said, we're getting involved. That's the logic. That's behind why analysts say uh, America keeps their troops here. It's so that they have uh, a, 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 not a, a reason to be able to get involved in a conflict right away. <clears throat> now, that may not comfort you. You, might, you actually felt a little bit safe that there are all these U.S. soldiers here. Okay? I'm telling you right now, they're not here to protect Korea they're here for you to evangelize to some of them and help some of them get saved. That's what they're really here for. Let me tell you right now, man, I evangelized to a couple of them last night, and then, man, they need Jesus. I was like, you're protecting the, uh, the Korea? Oh, man, you, you need some more Jesus, all right? Because they're, they're just 20-year-old kids. No college degree. A lot of them are from poor urban neighborhoods. Man, what they're really here for is for you to touch them. For you to speak life over them. All this to wrap it up and say. If we're getting a kingdom that is unshakable. I propose to you there's only one thing. That should be able to shake you. And that is the word of God. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 161. Rulers persecute me without cause. But my heart trembles. At your word. Isn't that strange? People are persecuting me, but I tremble at your word. What is that trying to say? What is the psalmist trying to say there? The psalmist is saying, people are persecuting me. They're, they got knives up on my throat. They, they, are, they are threatening my life. They're threatening my family. But I'm not trembling at them. I tremble at your word, God. Now, Jesus said, do not fear man. Do not fear him who can just kill the body and do no more. Fear God. Fear Him who can throw both body and soul into hell. And the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. You really want to understand true truth, knowledge, wisdom that is from heaven? You start with the fear of the Lord. You know, the, for men, why should you not look at that, that dirty website? Why should you not look at that pornographic website? It should be the fear of the Lord should be the first thing. Because the Bible actually says God will punish all sexual immorality. The deeper you go, you're just storing up wrath for yourself. 
even if you're a Christian. Don't think that because your sins are forgiven, judicially, positionally, that God doesn't dispense his judgment. God says, the word of God says in the same book of Hebrews, God disciplines those whom he loves. Another place God, uh, the word of God says, the judgment of God starts with his own house. If it starts with the house in this way, what will become of the world? The Bible says. I'm telling you right now, it should be the fear of the Lord that should keep you from doing something stupid. Something stupid that will mess up your family, mess up your ministry. The fear of the Lord should keep you from evil. The only thing that can cause us to tremble ought to be the word of God. I love Isaiah 66 verse 2 in the NIV. It says, this is the one I esteem. He who is contrite, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Check this out. Lady Gaga should not make you tremble. News of earthquakes, tsunamis should not make you shake. You're getting an unshakable kingdom. The only thing that can shake you, the only thing you should, that should give you the authority for you to tremble at anything is the word of God. You know what I'm saying? Put your family crisis in perspective. Put your boss situation in perspective. You're getting an unshakable kingdom. So stop crying. Stop coming up to me and saying, what's going on? What's wrong with my life? Am I doing something wrong? No, you're not doing something wrong. You're doing everything right. You're walking in righteousness. Is the reason why all of the shaking is coming. But the shaking is not to destroy you. The shaking is so that the display of his splendor may shine through you. With even greater glory. The Bible says he will fill his house with glory. And that all comes after the shaking. I want, I want you to close your eyes for a moment. I just want to give you guys. I feel like there are some people in here. You are going through a family shaking. And it's been very difficult for you. And I just feel like God's going to release grace tonight. He's going to apply this word that was preached into your mind and into your heart. And he's going to whisper words of comfort, words of strength, words of peace. In fact, for some of you, the Lord is saying, you're praying for this, you're praying for that for your family, and the Lord is saying, I'm not going to answer that prayer right now. I want you to walk through this. I want you to endure through this. But we're going to endure through it together. If you're in here, you're going through a family crisis, you're going through a family shaking, I want you to stand to your feet because there's grace for you here tonight. People going through a family shaking. Family drama. Yeah. Yeah, I think you guys... Yeah, why don't you guys come forward? I feel like we need to pray for you, okay? Let's have uh, altar ministers from New Philly come forward.